this week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet. We will recap UFC fight, fight night, Font vs. Vera, hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome, and Real World Callouts, and last but not least, preview UFC 274, Oliveira vs. Gaethje. Here we go. Here we go. We are back again for another episode of Just Like That. Got a good pay-per-view coming up right here in Phoenix. Excited about that. Um, Quick fight night to recap here. We'll probably spend a little less time on the recap and a little more time on the preview because it looks like we got quite a few fights to go through for the preview. Just a lot of good matchups. So we'll get into all that really quickly. But before we do, we'll start with our take of the week. So Ryan, as always, take us away. All right, I need uh, I need Cheeto Vera to to lose one of these fights, man. It's uh, it's tough for uh, for a Cheeto hater out here right the now. Biggest he's, Cheeto hater. Yeah, he's uh, he's making he's, us look dumb. Yeah, making us look dumb. Well, not not too dumb on this fight. I mean, he basically lost his fight, right? Like, I I guess we'll do the recap a little bit more in a little bit, but uh, I mean, he lost. I think four rounds if you uh, if he doesn't get the knockdown in the last twenty seconds of rounds two three and four so um he was that close to losing like you know but uh what are you gonna do and then also quick take here boy jake collier i think he got robbed uh, the andre arlowski effect he's just uh he's just pulling i don't know what the judges are watching but what are you gonna do yeah i mean it's just optically optically if it was a close fight you're definitely gonna give it to arlowski over collier I, the optics of just looking at the two of them um yeah i think there's something there but like i said we'll we'll like you said, I mean, we'll get to that in the recap. As for the Cheeto, Cheeto hate, I thought it was a pretty close fight. I, people were talking like it was some sort of domination. I thought it was pretty close, even with the knockdowns. Like, he stole some rounds, but I don't know. Like, even round five was pretty close, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, round two I thought was like a a clear Rob Font round until the very end. Like, he almost gets knocked out with 20 seconds left. And then I think round three and four were also very, like, I think Rob Font was winning all three of those rounds until the last 20 seconds of him when he gets knocked down. So, Yeah, so we'll get into that in our recap. I, my take is probably, I mean, I think it came from your brain, but um, and it's probably on your, your uh, call-out or your isn't he awesome, but late news today and we saw the pictures, I think Dana leaked those, uh, leaked those photos of those <laughs> yeah. matchups. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, yeah, we, I saw those. I'm like, Dana just uh, – seems like i don't know it just like all the fights that he wants to happen the hardest guys to get booked too the hardest guys yeah all showed up in the background magically in the background of an interview saying they're confirmed it's just like a class of dana move i feel like to uh to do something like that and try to pressure like any way possible to like uh pressure fighters and to uh agree in the fights you know yeah and just to go over it real quickly it was it's stipe john jones headlining obviously um a card uh, it's Pedro Munoz versus Sean O'Malley is another one. Uh, Adesanya versus Cannoneer, which I heard was actually a done deal. And then there was a fourth one that people – Oh, it was Nate oh, Diaz, Nate Diaz versus Camzet. Camzet. Yeah. Which I, people are like, oh, that's the most realistic one. To me, that's the least likely – the least realistic one to me. Yeah. Uh, that one that seems really out of left field. It is, it is and it isn't to me. So Dana's wanted this fight to happen. He's tried to make it happen. He wants like – it's – 
if that if he's trying to make that fight, basically it's just that uh, Nate's there's no chance of resigning with the UFC, and you know in classic Dana fashion, he wants to get anybody with a big name that's leaving the UFC smashed in their last fight before uh, before they go to a different organization. So I don't know. I find it kind of believable and kind of unbelievable just because. So basically, Cam's at like the fight against Nate Diaz was a fight to make before the yeah. Gilbert fight. Like now the Gilbert fight, like if he's gonna keep step making a step up like it's got to be colby covington or um leon edwards right one of those two or anybody else like or Usman. but if he's yeah if it's not for a title it's one of those two like nate's a complete step back unless you know if they're trying to get him to a title as fast as possible unless after they saw the gilbert burns fight they say okay he's not ready for a title fight basically let's take a step back against a big name yeah. give him some more time and then Sell push him to the next fight yeah so sell more wolf tickets yeah, exactly. Definitely. That's all it is. And, well, yeah, I don't know about it, though. Hot seat, though. The biggest hot seat is definitely Sean O'Malley getting pressured into a fight with Pedro Munoz. Yeah, that's like the exact fight that he does not want. It's like the worst possible matchup. And that's how like I kind of feel like it's for sure trying to pressure the fighters because uh, Sean O'Malley's basically come out and said he doesn't want to fight rake fighters, right? Unless he gets paid more, which I doubt he's gotten paid more since his last fight. And it's like stylistically, that's an awful matchup. Like one of the hardest leg kickers in the division against yeah. him. And if you were going to say that maybe that leak was accidental, they did randomly just start releasing these fights. Um, like, Bre- like Brett Okamoto per sources. Sources told Brett Okamoto that Sean O'Malley may get that top 10 challenge on uh, July 2nd, uh, UFC 276. So basically it got <laughs> leaked before they could drop it. So then they had Brett Okamoto... Um, are his sources the uh, pictures in the back <laughs> of Dana's office on the interview? I don't know. Brett Okamoto, the UFC bootlicker, they're like, work your magic and just uh, announce this fight so we can get some some press going right away. So maybe I feel like th- I feel like he's the one who's really on the hot seat because whether or not that fight actually happens is probably up to him. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what comes out of this. I'm I'm interested to see if it's That's actually booked fight. or if it's Dana trying to make it happen or what. So. That's a tough fight against a guy that you're probably not going to be able to put, get out of there very easily, and he's just going to be a little pit bull, right? Beating on your uh, freaking toothpick legs. The uh, the good thing is we don't got to wait very long to see if it's uh, if it's going to happen. So that's true. So, anyways, yeah, that's a, that was a little rumor swirl like mid afternoon that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, I didn't see it until you texted, so I was like, Jesus, <laughs> I had to take a little break from work and uh, and get some get my takes on it going. <laughs> yeah, digest. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into our recap because we got we got a lot to get through, and uh, there was actually a decent amount of fights here that we went over. So we'll start with the main event: Rob Font, Marlon Vera. We both said that this was a super close fight. I didn't even want to make a pick on it because I just didn't know. It's just such a close fight. Five rounds made all the difference as well. And for how it ended, and how like I mean, speaking of ESPN MMA account, they put like Cheeto Vera dominates for five rounds. That is not the case. Rob Font looked amazing, especially in the first round. He, I, 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 I know Cheeto Vera is a slow starter, but every uppercut was landing flush. Every shot was landing flush. I mean, he does. I mean, he's got like Wolverine healing because he didn't wear the damage too poorly. But he was getting uh, Rob Font was getting shots off on Marlon Vera this whole fight. It wasn't one sided by any means. I think Font actually landed more significant strikes if I don't, if I remember correctly. I don't know the numbers. Yeah, if that if that's your headline, Marlon Vera dominates for five rounds, like. 
you probably didn't watch the fight, right? You just looked just at what the they pictures. looked. Yeah, just saw what they looked like afterwards, and that was your the headline you went with. But uh, yeah, I mean, I thought Rob Font fought really well. He just got he got dropped at, in those at the end of those three middle rounds, and that was uh, that was the difference in the fight. Without you know, if he doesn't get dropped in two of those rounds, or maybe even one, or what was it? Most judges had scored forty nine, forty six, right? So. Yeah, I don't remember the exact score. Yeah. I think two of them had it one way, and then one of them had it closer. Yeah, but yeah, if he doesn't get dropped there, like, and he's so close to winning those rounds, it's it, it's crazy. I mean, he doesn't wear the damage well. He looked like he got beat up real bad. And Marlon Vera didn't look like he took a punch, but dude, he didn't even have a scratch on him hardly. That's crazy, man. What? I mean, Font was destroyed, <laughs> and Cheeto Vera had like a little nick on the bridge of his nose. Um. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I'll say this about Rob Font. He maybe he's not chinny, but he's definitely taggable. Yeah, definitely. He's like he's kind of got like the Nate Diaz chin where he can just he can get hit over and over again, but uh, he does get dropped, but he immediately yeah. pops back up. I not quite as good as Nate because Nate's like he gets dropped, but then he's just he's completely fine. I mean, Rob Font did look like he was in a little bit of trouble for like at, towards the end of those rounds, and he was gonna get put out if they. Uh, if there wasn't 10 seconds left, like by the yeah. time and Vera kind of messed up a few times. I thought like where he should have just made him stand back up. There was one time he dropped him with a little bit more time left in the round. Right. I think. Yeah. It might've been, there was one time he had him, he had him bad, bad. He had him hurt bad. With like a minute left. Right. And they eventually stood him up. Right. He just kind of sat, stood over top of yep. him and, and they ki- eventually kicked him. Yeah, yeah. He dropped him with like a minute and a half left. In. And yeah, he just stood over the top of him and just let Font completely recover when it's like stand him up or go to the ground. Like I think standing up's the better move there, but like just don't kick him in the leg for a full minute before like the ref has to jump in and stand you yeah. up. That was that was dumb. But I, what do you expect from a yeah. from Cheeto Vera? The guy's an idiot. There you go. I was waiting for that. Um Yeah. That doesn't get taken advantage of enough, the forcing them to stand back up. Because that's like in boxing, they give you like a full, they give you an eight count, but really it's like 15 seconds long. Yeah. In MMA, you drop a guy and he's laying there. You can say like, get up, get him up right now, get him up. And they'll say, you got to get up. Mm-hmm. Not enough guys take advantage of that. Too many of them go to the ground and then too many of them do the leg kick shit that maybe they, maybe they're looking for a breather too. I don't know, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Either way, this was a super close fight. It really could have gone either way. Um, if he doesn't land that knee in round two, uh, the knee, it's just like the shot that Aldo hit Font with where it was a, uh, it was one shot that he just never fully recovered from, but yeah, I mean, it was a uh, it was a great fight though overall. Definitely. All right, Andre Olovsky, Jake Collier. This is your uh, this is your bone to pick here. Um, you were on Jake Collier. That was a wise pick. Um, you're right about the volume. You're right about kind of the matchup here and uh the judges they took everything you worked for yeah they definitely did i mean one judge saw it right 30 27 i think that's a better scorecard than arlovsky winning the fight 29 28 i mean i i guess i could see you giving it 29 28 collier um could even see a split decision but i i just feel like that fight has to go in jake collier's favor i think most of the media members had it scored for collier um and yeah i thought it was just it's hard it's not a robbery per se i mean it wasn't like a com you know completely in you know unconceivable that you could score for andre lofsky but i thought it was pretty clear the vast majority of people that watched it thought jake collier won it um and yeah i thought i thought it was robbery kind of almost a robbery but not let's quite. just call it a robbery for the sake of hot takes yeah we'll call it a robbery close enough Co- right yeah it's just like the judges just 
I don't know. They just love Andre Arlovsky, it seems like. If there's, a, if there's a close fight, they're scoring it for him. So that's just a lesson learned. Like, I guess it, if it's going to be anywhere near close, you got to go with Andre Arlovsky because the judges are going to give it to him. So I think you said that, too. I think you said you thought it was a close fight, but you thought Jay Collier beat him on volume. I have to admit, though, I do, that does happen to me with Andre Arlovsky, though. I just always picture him when he was just roided out of his mind and had that mullet and, like, that the fangs mouthpiece. Right. It's hard to really – it's hard to pass all that up. And then he had his chinny years where he was chinny for like two years. And then since then, he's been, you know, getting the benefit of the doubt in most situations. Yeah. The thing too, I thought it was like, I, I thought Collier won the fight on more than just volume. Like he was winning the clinch positions up against the cage. Like he was, uh, controlling the fight. I thought for the most part, like I, I really don't see, how I could score for Orlovsky, but what are you going to do? Yeah. And you know what? This is just another fight for Andre Orlovsky. Like, in the grand scheme of things, it means nothing. He's fighting just to keep himself busy and probably because he probably got like a 600K check just for that fight alone. But this would have been a huge win for Jay Collier. Yeah, it would have. It really would have. And, uh, yeah, he he's looked better than anybody expected him to coming back to the UFC from moving from middleweight to uh, heavyweight. So Absolutely. That is 100% true. Um, speaking of not looking so good, uh, Andre Feely versus uh, Joe Anderson Brito. I was big on Andre Feely in this one. I don't know why. I just, uh, I, I guess I, uh, I doubted Brito, and because uh, we, I mean, we've had small, we've only had small doses of him, but this was a weird fight to begin with, and it ended in a weird way, and it was not a very, uh, not a very good showing for Andre Touchy Feely. Yeah, this is one. I think I said last week. I just thought the line was too wide, uh, but I thought Feely would win. Um, but I, I don't know. When I just first saw this fight, I just had this nagging feeling Brito was going to win, and then I, the more I looked at it. I'm like Andre Feely has what you know. He trains at Alpha Male. He's going to be able to get up from the takedowns. He's, he's hard. Gonna, to, he's a hard guy to put away too. Yeah, he doesn't get knocked out really. I mean, I think this was a little bit early of a stoppage in my opinion. It didn't look like Feely. It looked like he was still intelligently defending himself. Um, I I mean, he was taking strikes, but he wasn't like covering up and not doing anything to try to avoid the strikes. So I think this should have gone on a little longer. But um, I mean. And Joe Anderson Brito, he tagged him. The guy's got power. He's a yeah. he's he's a tough little guy, that's for sure. Yeah, that was a nice shot. And honestly, if Herb Dean's roughing your fight, it's a it's a coin flip of what he's gonna do when he's gonna stop it. What's <laughs> yeah. gonna happen? So fifty fifty was gonna be a little earlier, a little late, <laughs> really early or really late, more like. Yeah. But at this point, which is weird to say, but it does seem to be the case. So yeah, I lost on Feely there. I don't know what. I just thought, dude, this guy's hard to put away. If you're if you're Burrito and you're looking for the knockout, Andre Feely's usually not the guy um, you want to be matched up against, and um, that's just uh, worked out this time. So I paid the price there. Jared Gor- Jared Good- Gordon Grant Dawson. It's kind of a tongue twister to say there. Uh, you Ron Grant Dawson there. What are your thoughts on this one here? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought this kind of kind of went how I thought it was going to play out. Grant Dawson, he just has a good work rate, right? He's fighting at ATT now, and uh, – Jared Gordon, he's definitely getting older. I don't know. I saw a lot of people that liked Gordon in this fight, and I, I don't know. I just thought Dawson was gonna gonna be, you know, have more pressure, gonna be able to uh, implement his game more dominantly, and I, I think that's kind of how it played out here. So, yeah, and I gotta say, I'm one of those people with Jared Gordon, and it's not because I think he's good. It's because I can't figure out how he, he always wins. Right. So I just can't bet against him. I couldn't touch the fight because I'm like, if I bet against Jared Gordon, he's gonna come out there moving like a guy who's underwater in molasses and still somehow pull out some weird creepy win and make me look stupid and be frustrate be frustrate the hell out of me and I'm just going to be uh 
down even worse lifetime. So I'm just I'm cutting my losses with Jared Gordon, win or lose, because he's just beat me too many times. Yeah, definitely. This is this is a card that didn't go our way bets wise, but it's like I I don't know. I think we had the right line on a lot of these fights, but uh, it just didn't didn't the cards didn't fall our way, you know, basically. So the chips didn't fall our way or whatever. But yeah, uh, I felt like it was almost fifty fifty for us. I think like I mean like it's the main event, basically a coin flip for that fight. If that went if that went our way, then we would have been we would have been pretty solid on the whole night. Like uh, the next one, Darren Elkins, Tristan Connolly. We had Darren Elkins and uh that fight went pretty much that fight went pretty decent, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Darren Elkins, he uh he's a grinder, man. I Tristan Connolly just uh he's just one of those guys. It's like Darren Elkins is just kind of barometer in the same way Andre Arlovsky kind of is for the division. Yeah. It's like uh you know, if you can beat Darren Elkins, then you might have a successful run at, into the top 10. You, I mean, not top five necessarily, but you could probably be a top 10 guy. Whereas if you can't beat him, like, you're not going to crack the top 15, basically. Yeah, and, the th- like, Elkins is too. And another thing like that, he's so hard to put away also. It's just, yeah, if you're he's hard, if you're not, if you're in the top 10, you can put him away like nothing. If you're not, good luck because he's, he's an absolute monster for uh, – for the wrong guy. One we did get wrong though, Christoph Jocko versus Gerald Mearshart. Um, we thought maybe Mearshart would have what it took. Maybe Mearshart would get it to the ground. I think Jocko just had him outmatched every uh, standing and on the ground. He was just so much faster than Gerald Mearshart. Gerald Mearshart is so goddamn slow, dude. Yeah. Did you realize he was that slow? No, not really. He. Uh, I knew he, he was d- slow too. Like just that. That was like. That's like Jared Gordon speed. Yeah, Jocko. He made Jocko look really good here. Who I feel like. I don't know. I, I feel like every time I bet on Jocko, he looks like shit. And every time I bet against him, he, he looks good. So he's just one of those one of those guys you can't you can't get uh you know your finger on. But uh yeah, Gerald Mearshaw, this is probably I'd say the only bad pick of the night right here. All the other ones I could I could defend, I think, but uh but this one probably not not so much. Yeah, and that sucks too, because like Gerald Mearshaw's a guy where like who was that uh mock mock murder mock mad murder of or whatever that yeah was beating on beating Gerald Mearshart up for t- two and a half two and three quarter rounds or whatever and Mearshart ended up putting him away it's just like I don't know Ger- he's just maybe he's just unbettable it's just not not safe to yeah that's what I'm starting to think I, you know what I think it is honestly I think he's a guy with too much skill and too unathletic of a body or like too much practice. Gerald Mearshart has like 50 fights or something, some outrageous number that doesn't really match his age. Right. I mean, he looks like he, he has 50 fights, but his age doesn't look sound like somebody who should have 50 fights. But So he's a guy that's all well-rounded and has every skill and or has every training and intangible, blah, 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 blah. But he's just not athletic enough of a guy. So everything he's got, he's got from, from hard work. But, um, you know, sometimes that'll – that'll bail you out or, or sometimes that'll save the day for you. But if you're just a flat out outmatch like he was in this fight, it's just not going to get you get the job done. So overall, we'll wrap up this card. Like I said, we'll keep it moving because we don't want to uh, waste any time on our main event or our pay-per-view coming up. But overall, this was actually a pretty good card. These fights were actually pretty insane. Who, who was that first fight, the Israeli guy and uh, the wrestler dude? That I don't mind even been the first fight, but that was a uh, – Started off with a bang, and it never really slowed down. Those were all pretty good fights. Yeah, it was. Let me see if I got up. Yeah, I'm using my left hand on the mouse here, so. Here we are. First fight was. Oh, it wasn't the first fight. Mike Breeden versus Nat- Nat- Natan Levy. Oh, uh, okay. That fight was pretty wild. 
Yeah, there was some good fights on this card, huh? Yeah, the first fight, the first fight, I don't know if it was the first fight. The girl fight, Gina Mazzani versus Shannon Young, was not a great fight. I mean, uh, uh, Gina Mazzani never, ever, I don't didn't need to be told this, but she got cut today, so forget about <laughs> this advice, but never, ever trust her ever in a million years. Yeah. She has no gas tank if you're, whatsoever. If you're watching Bellator or something, or PFL <laughs> in the future, don't better. Yeah. We'll see if she even ends up there. But anyhow, yeah, these were good fights. It started off great, and they kept on rolling. So I guess, like, we're not really fight night haters, but, I mean, we've kind of gotten sick of uh, these terrible offerings, these Apex. I guess you could classify these as, like, the Apex offerings now since they are doing some fight nights on the road. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's bad. I mean, <laughs> every once in a while, well, like, for a while, I feel like when they, they were – not loading these cards but it was whatever because the fights were electric and then we've been in like this low where they're like the cards got no name value and the fights are awful too so dude there was a like a there was a long time there where the fights were insane yeah it was like when COVID started there was it, just was it because they were sign, they were signing guys like left and right and those dudes were just coming in and swinging for the fences i think that could have been it too yeah i don't know what it is but there's been a clear difference in these fight nights i mean the it's been a while since they haven't been putting much talent on them or like, you know, name value. I shouldn't say talent. Cause there are, there is some talent on these, but name value they haven't been putting on them. But uh, yeah, at least before they, they were coming out and putting it all on the line. And now it's, some of these are getting pretty boring. You know, I, I think another factor is that they were basically signing guys for these fights on super short notice. And they were only, it was like the same, like, so there's what, 700 guys on the roster. It was like the same 40 fighters that were on all these cards just rotating because they were yeah. like the craziest 40 guys. They were like, well, I'll fight again in two weeks. I'll fight again in three weeks, whatever. So they were getting like they were getting like a pretty insane batch of dudes that were just ready to bang and girls even. There were some good girl fights, but now it's kind of uh, stalled out. There's probably people holding out for wanting better cards, wanting pay-per-views, wanting to fight in front of a crowd. Harder to, uh, harder to uh, get that uh, – get that but this this was a pretty good one overall so no complaints for me good card to watch entertaining afternoon all right then we'll move on to our segments here it's uh my turn to go first this week it's an even week episode 104 i'll start things off my isn't he awesome august 20th mark your calendars we have the all-time giga chad belt on the line paulo costa versus luke rockhold oh shit <laughs> So shout out to the two biggest meathead. Uh, I don't know how would you describe him. My coast is a meathead. Rockhold's more like just a uh, a Chad. Yeah, he's he's definitely a Chad. He's he's a goofball. This is a the douchey, the DMF. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was looking. For. That's what I was looking for, and that's if this doesn't fall through. I'm pretty sure Rockhold's pulled out of a couple fights before, but I'm seeing like some pretty substantiated reports that this is going to happen. Like I said, could pull out whatever. Rockhold has been like semi-retired for like three or four years. Yeah, it's been a while. We haven't seen Blahovich him. Since knocked him out. God, he's so chinny, at least at the end. Hopefully that chin's recovered a little bit because it was uh, it was getting brutal for the Luke Rockhold fans out there. Yeah, and honestly, Costa's not a great guy to fight if you're chinny. Like, he's not necessarily like a murderous puncher, but he hits hard and he hits all – I mean, he's got good volume too. So he's yeah. a tough guy to fight, though, if you are if you're have a suspect chin. Right, yeah, it's definitely uh, – even even like out of shape, like two hundred and fifty pound Costa, if he comes in like he's Luke Rockholt's gonna have a tough time with. Like the guy punches hard and he's still gonna come out and swing. So I, I think it's a bad matchup for Luke Rockholt. Honestly, unless he can get it to the ground and uh obviously like Luke Rockholt, 
another guy who has like literally all the skills you could need. But yeah, Luke Rockhold's one of these guys where like he should have came in and took a much easier fight, but he <laughs> still thinks he can be like get his title back. Well, so he's, he's taking that, a tough fight. He thinks he's like one or two fights away from the title, right? He's so. a guy with a suspect chin that went up and fought Jan Blachowicz at 205 and got just. I think he won the first round, but it was just the first one Jan put on the button, left check hook, just flatlined him, like shadow realmed him. Yeah, he, he's. I think he might be in for some trouble. <laughs> I love the fight, though. I absolutely love the fight. The trash talk is going to be unbearable to listen to, but also fun <laughs> oh, at the yeah. same time. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Jeez. This is there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of alpha energy in those rooms. So yeah, cannot cannot wait. It's good to see Luke back after he got retired by the uh, crackhead at the bus stop, though. <laughs> no, he needed that win, dude. He needed that that win. Probably got him training again. <laughs> and honestly, Costa's back on Twitter and he's back training. I feel like Costa might be at the peak peak of his powers again too. He went away after that after Adesanya humiliated him. He went away. He wasn't even tweeting or anything. The stuff he tweets is insane too. Like. I really do advise everybody to go look, follow Paulo Costa on Twitter. The stuff he says is, I mean, he he would get canceled if English was his first language and he didn't act like people didn't think that maybe he had like a learning disability. <laughs> he would not be allowed, like, there would be protests at his fights. Like, the stuff he says is so insane. But he gets away with it because he plays dumb or he is dumb. Still haven't fully decided yet. But either way, this is an electric matchup. I hope it's a main event. I hope uh, – I hope they put the the DMF belt on the line for for uh, the taking. So, shout out to uh, Paul Costa and Luke Rockhold. Probably add their IQs together, and you might get somewhat close to a average uh, child. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna get my call out here. Kind of a weird call out this week. Um, calling out this week, Pat Barry. Guy just makes every of Rose and Amiunis fight week a little awkward. Dude, he the groomer, Pat Barry. Pat the groomer Barry. And what, like, it's become an elephant in the room because, like, these writers just eat this story up. Like, he's been there for Rose for so long now. Yeah, yeah. since she was a child. Like, it's a Disney love story or something, but it's, like, actually, like... Uh, statutory rape? Yeah, definitely. Or, like, at even if it wasn't statutory rape, it's, like, very creepy. Yeah, and he's also, for a guy who, like, should not be drawing attention to his situation and maybe how things came about he really likes to draw attention to the situation and yeah yeah he's just i don't know it just seems like there's something wrong with them yeah and it's just like they kind of like just dance around it too they don't dance around it they talk about it like it's a a, a, like you said a disney love story like ariel hawaii himself maybe 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 stirring the pot a little maybe not but he posts like a picture of them when she rose was like when she was doing like the ultimate fighter when she was pretty young and he was like her coach and it's like, these two have been through so much together, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, you're like asking for. Yeah, didn't they start training like when she was like 14 or yes. something? And he was 28 or 30. Which is, yeah. And then they started dating when she was 18. And I think I'm 16. sure they started They started dating when she was 16. I think, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. This is, this is why I'm calling it out. It makes the whole thing awkward. This is like a, it's an elephant in the room situation where some people want to jump all over it and talk about what an amazing story it is. And some people just kind of sit there and they act like it started when she was 18 not yeah what on her 14. 18th birthday like that's not yeah. suspicious <laughs> i don't know Think, things happen here's my take on all this female fighters why are they always dating their coaches i don't know but they're i will say i don't know Bro, rose is one of the only successful ones yeah 
It's an epidemic. <laughs> it really isn't. It usually doesn't end well. No, definitely not. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's creepy. And uh, what are you going to do? It was uh, Sean Strickland. He was talking about um, oh, yeah, the yeah. other chick, too, uh, that dates her coach. That Apparently, that was like a, oh, Aspen Ladd. a thing, too. Yeah, Aspen Ladd, that she's been, her coach's been coaching her since she was like, in the teens. Yeah, and uh, he was actually tagging her in those tweets. Sean Strickland is also – Strickland versus Costa would be an electric Twitter war leading up to a fight. Yeah, that would be. That would be maybe the winner – th- wasn't Luke Rockhold supposed to come back and fight Sean Strickland? Those guys should all be locked in like a room together that or like on like a panel together. That would be hilarious. Yeah, but I mean, anyhow. The TMF belt, the, <laughs> the Twitter belt. Yeah, that would be, that would be electric, but um, – Shevchenko, uh, the older Shevchenko, and Ant- Antoinette, whatever. Though not as good Shevchenko. Oh, yeah, her the too. And both of them kind of. She's married to her coach, but they've been, they've been their tra- coach since they were like five or yeah, something. Yeah, since they were really young. And they, they like travel the world together, just the three of them, and they train. And they say the coach always puts up pictures of Valentina and not his wife. Like, there's some that's something weird going on. I, I was looking into that a little bit too. or It was in the Reddit comments or something I was reading about. Well, maybe he's the guy that wrote the Valentina Shevchenko mega Oh, blog. my God. You think it is? That's, I don't know. That's got to be an investigation. We should put some time into that. I don't know. Well, somebody should look into why the coaches are always dating the, the athletes but or the fighters. I don't know. But either way, back to our my original one, P- Pat Barry is just the creepiest, weirdest guy. And, like, I don't really think he has that many redeemable qualities. He just kind of a douche. So, um, and also, every time Rose fights, like the more popular she gets, the bigger the sport gets, the more the story goes around, like the more awkward it gets, and like the more front and center he tries to get. Like he tries to get in her post fight interviews, he tries to get in the octagon with her, he tries to get like on the camera. It's just like the whole thing is just like I don't know. We're just about to have a lot of Pat Barry exposure, and uh, I just like pointing out now that it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, he's one of those guys that should be in the background, but he like tries to make the, everything about him. Like, yeah. like all of Rose's success is like because he's groomed her since she was 14 years old. Like, yeah, he groomed her into a good fighter. He also groomed her in other ways. So. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> anyhow, uh, who do you got this week? We'll move on from that. All right. So I, I text you a link to the video for my for my isn't he awesome? Oh yeah, I saw that. Let's. I'm gonna open that up now. You can uh, you go watch it while I uh, give him the shout out. So. Uh, isn't he awesome? I just saw this on like I think my Apple News feed or something, but uh, it's uh, Zeke Sanchez. Oh, He's a yeah. uh, 14-year-old diver from competitive diver from Arizona, um, just kind of going out there improving uh, along with our girl Roxanne Matafari That uh, you know anything's possible if you uh, put your mind to it. So uh, he's out there on the diving board. He's 14 and at least I don't know what would you say like. 250 or something he's he's a big uh, kid let's just say I think he's 300 dude let's just say he's husky basically no um, i think he's 300 he's uh, huge and uh like you think that when he jumps to get the air off the diving board you think he's just gonna go straight into the water because the board's gonna break or something but he doesn't he gets some air and the dude can do flips he's, he's uh, nice he's nice with it he's got skills it's it's crazy it's like uh you know, the fat boy backflip, what's his name that does it in the UFC, or Chris Barnett. He, maybe yeah. he is a, as athletic as people say. So he basically won the uh, the 2002 Arizona Regional Diving Competition. Hold uh, on, hold on, 2022, not 2022, 2022 right? Yeah, yeah, Just my bad, that, my bad. That video's way too good a quality. 2022. He's, he's, in his pr- he's in his prime right now is what we're saying. Yeah, I mean, who knows? This kid could take it all the way. He's got plans for the Olympics, it said in the article. So, Dude, he's... Uh, um, 
But yeah, he's advanced to the national qualifiers, and if he's able to finish top 10 at the national qualifiers, he's going to be moving on to national. So got to give him a shout out. Um, yeah, if you uh, check out the video, I'm sure if you just Google Zeke Sanchez or put it into YouTube or something, you'll be able to find some videos. And uh, he's got some form, dude. He's flexible. He's like his dives are he's a guy that can't he can't be off by one degree or he'll be belly flopping yeah and he's he's spot on not just and he's not just doing like so like his dives are nice but he's also doing like like one and a half with full twists yep yeah he's uh yeah the video starts off he's just doing some basic shit i'm like okay that's not that impressive and then all of a sudden yeah he starts doing like full twists and flips and uh i don't really know anything about diving but i was impressed it's unbelievable. Yeah, that's amazing. This kid is, he's a big fella. He should be playing offensive line, but he's. <laughs> yeah, he's diving <laughs> in Arizona in the des- in the middle of the desert. He's just uh, doing all kinds of things. He Man, be doing. if he makes it to Nationals, he's set for life. Like, Oh, yeah. He's going to have commercials. Like, you know, I could see him like doing a Snickers commercial <laughs> or something. <laughs> Zeke Sanchez. And he's 14? 14 years old, yeah. So he's only going to get better. Yeah, well, maybe we go to one of his diving competitions. He's got to be around here somewhere, unless he's in, like, Tucson. Yeah, he's, he competes on the Mesa team. Oh, so he's right next door. Yeah. Wow. We may become his first fans. Yeah, right. Well, not his first fans. I'm sure he's got tons of fans, but we may become biggest fans. his biggest fans. We'll travel. Dude, I would literally drive to Mesa to watch his diving meet. How much could, <laughs> yeah. I, how much could it cost to get in, like, five it's gotta bucks? It's got to be free. Yeah, five bucks yeah. the most, though. Buy a hot dog over there at the concession stand. <laughs> Give it to Zeke if he wins. <laughs> Good point. We'll bring our own beer. We'll pregame in the parking lot, and then we'll go in and yeah, yeah. yeah we got it's the least we could do after. I'm gonna we, look uh, up and see if he's a shout out. I gotta see if he's got an Instagram profile. Yeah, we probably missed out because the re- we probably should have gone to the Arizona regional diving competition because that was probably in here. He's at the national qualifier now, which probably is could be anywhere in the southwest. Dude, he's got a he has a uh, Instagram profile, ten thousand nine thousand four hundred forty two followers. Um, he is. Yeah, he's got 9,043 now. Yeah, he's blowing up, dude. His last post has a 10,000 likes. Had a blast. All right, I got some up- update. Had a blast at regionals this past weekend. Can't wait to compete at Zones National Qualifier in June. Appreciate the support. Blah, blah, blah. We got to find out where Zones are at. Yeah, yeah, we do. Maybe it, I, maybe it's a road trip type of event. We'll see. Yeah. If Tickets could be sold out, though. I have to call in advance. <laughs> Man, he's all over too. He's doing, he's he's doing diving meets in all in California, Texas. Maybe we can get him on the podcast. Yeah, and if not, we can find him somewhere. I bet he trains at the City of Mesa Parks and Recreation. Yeah, just go around looking for a diving board. Like there can't be that many out here. Are those high dives, right? No, there's probably only one or two spots he can go. Um, okay, say hypothetically he doesn't make it to nationals, he'll fall off really quick. He'll he'll people will forget about him oh yeah that's when we'll make that's when we'll we'll uh get a hold of him and get get a session in with him and see how things go definitely maybe we can do a vlog where he teaches us how to dive because he's gonna be back dude he's only 14 yeah there's yeah exactly we'll get on uh we'll get ahead of this before the 2023 (laughs) is yeah uh qualifiers that is that is unbelievable though i don't think i've ever seen that much uh I don't know, uh, like finesse from a fellow of that size. Yeah. So shout out to him. That's a really good, that's a really good, a really worthy, isn't he awesome? Cool. Now, yeah, we'll do the uh, 
So Zeke Sanchez, the uh, isn't he awesome this week? Weekly call out. We're doing a quick follow up on uh, on our shop call out of last week. So um, there's the uh, the Annie Letterman and um, what's Bobby Lee's girl um, Natalia Natat whatever her name is. Controversy has been uh, stirring. Basically went on. Shaw has been making uh, the media rounds to promote his uh, special released on the biggest platform of all time, YouTube. <laughs> and uh, um, he uh, basically, or what's his name? Schultz calls him out. He basically just says, so what's going on with this? Schaub is just just falling all over his words, right? Oh, he just, dude, he's mel- he, he completely has a meltdown where he just start whatever comes out of his mouth just comes out of his mouth. And you can tell he's extremely uncomfortable he panics he panics he basically yeah. she, they're like he's like basically just says schultz is like so what's up with this like they're like accusing you of uh you know trying to get a blowjob from uh annie letterman and uh basically trying to bang uh bobby lee's wife or whatever girlfriend at the Chris- at a christmas party or something and then he just he, starts stumbling all over himself he's like so basically you know everybody's got their own narratives <laughs> they've got their narratives i've got my narratives it's like he framed it as a joke for him too. He was trying to help him out, I think. Yeah, he was. He was basically. And he was then, like, "Give, get, like, get, like, like, joke your way out of this comedian. Like, make it funny." And then he, he just, just, he just, he doesn't have enough brain cells to, ha- like, have the ones he has freeze up like that. Yeah, and then basically, yeah, he goes on. He goes on this big rant about how he squashed the beef with, uh, with Bobby Lee's girl. They had an hour long phone call, and it's all squashed. And then. Uh, Schultz is basically like, well, you know, everybody out there still thinks it's not squashed. So like, why don't you like, you have 14 platforms. Like, why haven't you cleared the air about this? And he's like, basically like, you know, I don't do social media. It basically just says like, he doesn't know anything that's going on because he doesn't do so. He doesn't do social media or whatever, which is like idiotic. And uh, yeah. And then basically he's so flustered at the end. Schultz asks him, do you have a truck? To which he responds, no, which is the biggest lie ever. Like, it's, he's all over Instagram posting his truck, his Ford, white Ford Raptor that he got. And, uh, like, he's so flustered. He lies about, like, the clearest thing. And, like, we've already seen this with the Hawani situation. Like, Schaub said on his podcast, you know, we talked, it squashed, the beef's over with, like, blah, blah, blah. And Hawani gets on the very next day and is like, that's complete bullshit. We have not talked. None of that happened. He's a complete liar. And I, I think we're going to see a very similar situation arise on, on Tuesday. I think it's going to be when the, uh, the next, uh, what's those chicks podcast called like trash Tuesdays or something. So I'm assuming it comes out on Tuesday. Oh, that's what so the it might be Tuesday thing was. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be, they probably recorded like a day or two early. So it'll probably be next week on Tuesday. Seeing as today's Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, you sent me that clip, which I had actually just got done watching a 30-second version of it. So then I watched the full thing. And the the way he melts down and just starts stumbling on his words and, like. And, you know, the messed up thing is, like, I'm sure Schultz gave him a heads up. He was going to talk to him about it. So it's like Schaub had time to, like, calculate a response to what he was going to say, right? And that's the best he could come up with. Even if he didn't give him a heads up, though, like, you're on a me- anything no-holds-barred media tour with all, like, comedians talking to you like yeah you gotta expect it's gonna come up at some point not right? to mention like you should he's probably already had to like come up with a story a thousand times for like the people in his personal life that are yeah his wife <laughs> like i hope that's not his response to his wife was just like yeah. you know we got we all got our narratives babe they- <laughs> yeah that's that's 
And then he says, uh, oh, yeah, we, we oh, that, that was just a misunderstanding. We're, we're not, we're all good. And he's like, I don't know. They put up a video saying like that they weren't very happy about it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, I got nothing for love but Annie Letterman. Like, obviously, you got a little too much love for a shop. <laughs> like, this is what got you in all this trouble. So we don't need you going on about how much love you got for her right now. This is not the time to talk about that. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> and I don't even know who that is. I have no idea. It's just funny to watch him. I'm strictly looking at it from like the, like I am not invested and I know you're not either, but like in like, he's basically made his own like reality TV world where like, he's just like a character for his own content basically. Yeah. None I, of it's really I'm that invested. good. I'm invested at this so, point. <laughs> well, at this point, yes, but you've done like, you're an investigative journalist at this point. Somebody's got a tough job and somebody's got to do it. Um, but it's like none of his stuff is that good. But you either watch it because you you like you you want to see how dumb he is, or like I don't know. It's like there is a there is like a mag like I don't want to say magnetic because that makes him sound like he's like does something like I don't know. There's like a, there's almost like a reason to watch it. Like there's it's like he gets just enough of intrigue, whether it's because he's stupid or like sometimes he gets okay guess. It's like I don't know. It's just weird. It's oh, like, it's all about the Reddit. The fighter and the kid Reddit. I I can't get enough of it since I started the shop investigation. I I watch all the videos that come out. Like it's just constantly them making him look like a complete idiot. Like it's so funny. You gotta just go on there and scroll through and watch the videos. Like they clip it and make all these goofy videos. It's hilarious. I'll just be cracking up. <laughs> yeah, I mean somebody should. The one thing I remember from what the, the stuff I have watched of him is that I always thought somebody should track his MMA takes and picks because they are always so off the wall like he makes Chael Sonnen look like a freaking like a genius handicapper like oh he's an idiot and he thinks he knows what he's talking about too and like he won't he has an MMA podcast right like the big brown breakdown or whatever it's called now and he literally doesn't watch the fights and you can so clearly tell <laughs> he'll forget who is on the card that he's talking about he's just like it's like you're doing the absolute bare minimum and people are still watching him. It's ridiculous. And you have an assistant. Well, he broke his neck. He broke his neck, but <laughs> yeah. he had an assistant that could just get him notes, clip it. He has like a full uh, production team behind him, all the thick boys. So hard to uh, hard to explain why he has so much trouble with it. Yeah, it's bad. So <laughs> next up, we'll do uh, Dana White. You know, we hate doing the call out of Dana White, but um, he was basically talking about fighter pay again, and uh, you know it's an ever ongoing issue. I think it will be forever. But uh, one of his responses uh, in the fact that boxing, you know, are, is paid so much better, he's like, "Well, you know, boxing, they're just paid way too much, and that's part <laughs> yeah. of the problem." Like, come on now, you can't your argument against you can't you can't be arguing against paying your fighters better by saying just boxing is overpaid. Like, come on. Yeah, now. and then he says like he went on to say like. And he, what he said was true about like the lower level stuff, but it's not true about like, like, uh, like Eddie Hearn or Top Rank or any of these like Matchroom is Eddie Hearn or like even like Oscar De La Hoya. Like, well, it's an every time they hold an event, it's a going out of business sale because they just try to bring in as much money as possible, send out a ton of money. But that's not exactly true. He's right that it's, that it's not like a league format. Every promotion is an in, uh, individual stand standalone promotion, but. At the same time, you can't just be like, oh, they make, yeah, they make uh, whatever. What'd they say? Uh, uh, um, Tyson Fury made like $33 million in his last fight. Francis Ngannou made like 600000 Yeah. 
Which he probably made more after pay-per-view points. But oh, I'm like, sure we he never did. really know. So that's part of the problem too. I think it wouldn't be as big of a deal if like they actually knew how much some of these fighters were getting after pay-per-view points and stuff. But that's like trade secrets apparently. So UFC doesn't want any of their competitors knowing how much they're paying their guys actually after pay-per-view points and everything. Yeah. So it ends up just being like I think hurting them more, but they can't release it. So I don't know what to say, what to do about it or wh- how it's going to be resolved, but I don't think the fighters are going to get paid more anytime soon. I mean, I, I think part of it, like you're saying, I think the main event guys should be paid more, right? Like the pay-per-view headliners, like they are getting paid more because of pay-per-view points, but I still don't think they're getting paid what they're worth. Yeah, the needle movers. And like these lower rank guys, they're they're actually getting paid like a good amount compared to what they would be in boxing. Oh, they're getting paid else. a ton more. You And not only are they getting paid a ton more, they're given fair fights. Like... They're yeah. giving guys a chance to beat like they're not like like Patty Pimlet's a perfect example. He came in with so much hype. Pro- I know like not saying he came up with a huge contract, but he came up with a ton of hype. They gave uh, Luigi Vendramini a chance to take him out in their yeah. first in his first fight. Like if you're a boxer and there's a Patty Pimlet equivalent, you're fighting a guy who's getting paid two thousand dollars, and his job is to get knocked out by you. And he's not he's a guy that shouldn't be in a like boxing fitness class let alone in the ring with a potential world-class fighter and that's how it is for the first 15 20 fights so i do give i do give the ufc tons of credit for that and that's like a a huge difference but yeah like if you're a needle mover and you're like even like yeah i mean the co-main event and stuff like if if only the say only the champion gets pay-per-view points there's a lot of needle movers on like say co-main events or further down the card main card guys like there's a lot of guys out there where you see it and they're, and I think they're happy because they think that they're this close, like just got to do my job and next time I'll make the big paycheck. But yeah, I think there is more to, uh, well, there are, there are select few guys that get pay-per-view points. Like Nate, Nate does part of his contract. Well, I mean, he's like major needle mover. So, but there's not many. I think it might just be like a select few at this point that are getting pay-per-view points from not being the champion. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then as far as like, as you were saying, like, uh, Patty Pimblin. So it's also the guys that aren't big names that are getting fair treatment as far as fights too. Like they're giving guys that might not be ready to go to the top, like enough, at least fair enough matchups where they can kind of grind until they actually are to the point they need to be to make a run. Right. Yeah. No, but the, I would say the matchmaking in the UFC is like, they got it down to an absolute science. They really don't screw up. But yeah. Every once in a while there'll be a bad matchup, but overall like 99% of it's like on point. And usually you look at like a matchup and you're like, why are they doing like why are they doing this to Darren Till? Why did they just match Darren Till up with Jack Hermanson now? Like, like Darren Till's a fan favorite. Like, why aren't they protecting this guy? They're just they're just feeding him to people that are gonna keep like brutalizing him. It's, yeah, it's so I don't surprising. Get, I don't get that one. I thought they'd do Darren Till a little bit more favor. He must have pissed somebody off. It does seem like there are these guys that must have just made an enemy out of somebody at the UFC that's in charge of matchmaking, and they just get fed to the wolves constantly. And then there's other guys like. Andre Arlovsky, who makes a ton of money and is allowed to just like fight the bottom level of the division for yeah. his whole career. Overeem was doing that forever. Overeem was getting like 600k a fight, and he was fighting, you know, just just whoever he wanted. Better competition than Arlovsky. True, true, it was better. Um, but yeah, that perfect example is Arlovsky. That's the best example for sure. Yeah, just a, a guy that never uh, never made too many waves, so he got a, he gets to kind of call his shots. But yeah, like. Where what happens to Darren Till? Like he's gonna lose to Jack Hermanson when they fight. Most likely, right? So what do they do? They, I mean, 
He, I don't know. It's like four straight. It's going to be four straight like losses. Maybe that's why he's like building this relationship to Camzat, hoping that Camzat can keep him in the UFC. <laughs> I guess, but man, like and like, none of the losses will be to bad people. They'll just be to terrible matchups. Like Derek Brunson is the worst possible matchup for right uh, Darren Till. On the flip side, though, maybe this all this work with Camzat, maybe we're going to see some like uh, legit wrestling skills come out of uh, out of Darren Till in this next fight. At least enough to stop. Uh, Hermanson from taking him down. Yeah, but he's not the strongest wrestler. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I guess we'll see. But that's just a little side tangent. Just just kind of point out that they don't do guys really any favors, and they don't try to protect guys, and they don't necessarily try to build guys the same way boxing does, where you got to protect your asset, and then you only got to pay one guy a ton of money because you only built one guy. You know, one guy. I don't know. In your in a five year period, you may only have one guy, or you may have three guys, and you're stable. If you're, uh, say, like a top rank. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy, though. Pretty crazy. Obviously, I don't think Dana does a very good job tiptoeing around the, the question, though. No, definitely. He needs, like, you'd think he'd have, like, a lot more, like, a way better take on Similar to Shab. He's right, had yeah. a lot of time to come up with a story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's had a ton of time, and it's been a hot-button issue for a long, long time, and, like, you shouldn't still be going with boxing. <laughs> Fighters are overpaid. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, it's insane. So, otherwise though, doing a great job. We love Dana. But uh anything else to call out here? I don't think so. I'm ready to uh to uh jump into talk it. Talk to the, talk about these fights, man. I hope we get to these fights. I I don't I think I'm going to go. It's just a matter of buying the tickets. I don't know yeah, if you are still I, in or what. We're going to we're going to have to get down to the business and figure it out. I I hate to miss a f- it's so close. It's so close. Yeah, what the, is it from here? Like a 15 minute, less than 15 minute drive, 15 minute drive. Yeah, and exactly. And the thing is too, that it's not sold out. There's quite a few seats in the lower uh, level that are still available. So we can buy the cheapest tickets and we'll be able to sit in those seats. I've done it before. It's like there UFC is too cheap to hire people to check tickets at the sections. You know, like ushers. Yeah. So there's no ushers. So if like, if it's sold out, you're screwed. Like the last one, we wouldn't have been able to do it because it was there was no seats available. But since there's like literally full rows open, I think we'll be able to do it on this one. Yeah, we'll have to look into this. Like I said, it's so close. It's 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 not even the Glendale. It's it's the Suns Arena. By the way, the Suns are still alive in the playoffs, so that's going to be kind of weird, right? Yeah, it's kind of weird they schedule it for that, but uh, it must they must be away over over the weekend. Yeah, it's amazing what those arena people can do. But yeah, so. This is uh, what is this UFC two sixty? Look at best fight odds, dude. Two seventy four. Two seventy four. Look at the best fight odds. They're just falling apart. Not even a label. Oh, I know the main event's not there. Yeah, the main event's not uh, here. You got Cowboy go versus Joe Lozon's not on there. It's bad. Yeah. That should be a call out every single week. Best fight odds. What happened to you guys? Used to be, used to be the absolute pinnacle of all matchups, matchmaking, but. It is what it is. Let's jump into it though. I gotta find just gotta find the main event here because it's not listed with them. It is all right. Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira, great fight here. Justin Gaethje plus one forty-five, Charles Oliveira minus one sixty-five. I believe that's the DraftKings line. I don't know what the five dimes is, but um, it's Charles Oliveira minus one seventy. Just Justin Gaethje plus one fifty. We've kind of been talking back and forth on this one. And I think I've kind of rested on anything can happen, right? Yeah, definitely. I I think I got 
I've got a clear vision of how this fight's going to go. It's just I got two different visions, and I think it's going to go one of the one of these two ways. Basically, Charles Oliveira, if he's going to win, so I guess we can go with Justin Gaethje since it's a little simpler. If Justin Gaethje's going to win, he's going to get a knockout in the first or second round, I think. Um, he needs to use pressure. He needs to uh, keep the fight in the center of the octagon. Um, avoid the cage at all costs because Oliveira uses that cage to take people's back. And uh, it's over from there. If I think if Oliveira gets Gaethje's back, um, so he just needs to keep it in the center. He needs to uh, just just wing strikes at the middle. I mean, Charles Oliveira. If you, I watched the Poirier fight, like he brings it and he gets in like in boxing range like quite a bit in that first round, and he puts an insane pace on on Poirier, and he throws body kicks, and he does that very well. And uh, Justin Gaethje. If he starts getting a hit to the body and whatnot, it's only a matter of time until he melts down, and gets pressured against the fence, and gets his back taken and gets submitted. So, Gaethje's got to use that first and second round wisely to just kind of make it a brawl and win that way. If he doesn't win in that first round or second, early second, it's going to be all Oliveira. Basically, Oliveira, he's gonna he's gonna push the pressure. I think he's we're gonna see a similar game plan to Poirier fight. He's gonna put the pressure on him, use the clinch, throw knees to the body, throw that front kick to the body. Um, and he, he's quick, man. He's able to get in and out. So I think he's going to be able to avoid Gaethje, kind of tire him out. And then once Gaethje starts getting tired from the from those kicks to the body and uh, the body work that Oliveira puts in early, it's going to be all Oliveira. He's going to be able to pressure him up against Cage, take his back, submit him. So uh, I'm going with Oliveira as the official pick. I just think, I, the, you know, if I play this fight in my head like 100 times, I think Oliveira is going to win it more often than not. So, um, But, I mean, I'm w- not going to be surprised if Gaethje gets the knockout either. Yeah, I like that. I'm, I think I'm in a similar boat here. The two things I'm looking at. Charles Oliveira has been tagged a couple times. His two recent fights, Chandler tagged him. Poirier tagged him. He's willing to get tagged to get to where he wants to go. He's also been on both guys' backs in the first two rounds. So he's been where he wants to be in every fight, and he's also been where he shouldn't be getting tagged. You can't get tagged against a guy like Justin Gaethje. Something that I would point out here. Somehow Poirier has like this reputation of being like a big time power puncher guy, but he's really not. And he, he, I mean, he was able to put it on Oliveira pretty good for that first round. And really what went wrong for him was when he did that stupid like barrel roll thing in the second round instead of standing up. And I'm not saying that it wasn't all going to plan for Charles Oliveira, but he got clipped and he got dropped in that first round, was it? Yeah. And like I said, like people maybe think that Dustin has crazy power, but he really doesn't, and if that's if that's Gaethje clipping you like that, it could be a whole different ball game. Exactly. That's why it's just it's so tough to call this one because that, my thoughts exactly. I I do think though Poirier has a lot cleaner striking, and uh, like in the Chandler fight, Gaethje he was just th- just winging punches that I think aren't Oliveira's not going to get hit by pretty much. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I think uh, no, I think you're right, and I think uh, I like you said, man, it's just like. Oliveira too he'll get he'll get so dicey to get to that he wants to get in that clinch because that's how he kind of like operates to get around your neck like he climbed on Dustin one time from the front and he almost he was almost able to transition into something but Dustin was able to get out of it I don't know that uh, Gaethje really has Gaethje's good in tight but not necessarily in the clinch and he's got good takedown defense but I don't necessarily know that he's really like a jujitsu anything I mean 
I don't know. I remember calling him a white belt after the Khabib fight. But another thing about Gaethje is I think a lot of people think he had this terrible fight against Khabib. He actually had a pretty good first round. He actually landed some decent stuff in that first round. It was just Khabib's such a good wrestler that he was able to overpower. And then once he got to the ground, he was able to use his jujitsu. I don't know. It's, there's there's a middle ground here where either Gaethje's landing the shots he wants to land or Oliveira is able to get it to the jujitsu world. And there's... They, both guys have to pass through fire to win. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great fight. Like it's definitely one you don't want to miss. But uh, yeah, I could see it going both ways. I j- I don't know. It's just we've seen Gaethje where he looks sloppier with the striking too, and then a lot so other times where he looks a lot more on point. So I think it depends a little bit what kind of Gaethje we see. I don't think we're gonna be able to see Oliveira shooting takedowns. He never really does. No. It's more like he, he's like a spider monkey. He just yeah. crawls onto your back from any position. Um, so, but. Yeah, like we said, he gets dropped. He gets dropped a lot, but he immediately like regains consciousness. Like it, I don't know, he gets dropped. He doesn't get knocked out. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy, and it's a obviously, like you said, it's an insane matchup. So hard to tell. As you're going with Oliveira, I think I'm going with Oliveira myself. I just think I like to say, if your guy is has to rely on a knockout to win a fight, it's tough to pick him, and that's kind of what I'm looking at here. So. Move on, though, to uh, Rose Namajunas versus uh, Carla Esparza. We got Rose at minus 195, Carla Esparza plus 165. Another one we talked about where it's just like, I just can't I just can't and don't give Carla Esparza enough credit for whatever reason. I don't know why it is. Maybe it's because she doesn't really look all that athletic. But you pointed out to me she's got one of the – probably the best win streak in the division, and she uh, she's already got one win on Rose. So uh, this could be her uh, – uh, a fight that kind of maybe benefits her in certain areas that normally she wouldn't have uh, have such big uh, benefits. Yeah, this one is going to be one where I, I kind of like the uh, Oliver Gaethje fight. I see it going one of two ways. Basically, Rose, we've seen her in that first and second round. She's like untouchable. Her movement, um, her footwork is just on point. Um, her striking, she just puts it all together like perfectly where she's going to be able to dance around Carla Esparza, just kind of pick her apart. Right. And she needs to kind of get that finish. I think early, like I we've seen her in some fights, like basically if she's able to control the pace of this fight, she's going to be able to do that for five rounds. She's going to be able to win this fight. If Carla Spars is able to pressure and like get through that first initial first and like second round where it's tough, I think rounds three, four and five Rose starts to gas. If she doesn't control the pace, right. She doesn't like, she doesn't do well fighting someone else's fight. So I think if Carlos Barz is able to pressure and, and get the takedowns leading in rounds like, you know, halfway through round two, round three, round four, round five, it could be a Carlos Barza fight. I think uh, I'll take the underdog money here on Carlos Sparza. I think she's I don't think Rose is going to be able to knock her out. Right. It's kind of weird. Like we've seen Rose knock people out and then we've seen her like doesn't look like she has much power at other times. It's like she's a precision striker. She's able to hit people people on the button and put them out but that you can't always rely on that so i don't know i think carla esparza i think she's a grinder um i don't think rose is going to be able to fight at her pace the entire fight and i think the more carla esparza pushes the pace the more it's going to go in her way so yeah we're gonna we're gonna take carla esparza as an underdog on this one um but like i said we could see rose running as well too yeah, it's tough for me. Like I said, I just never give Carla Sparza the credit. She just imagine if she does win that belt though. That makes a very wide open, <laughs> wide open uh, division. Then there's a lot of possible fights then. Yeah. Um, for the next title shot. So, yeah, uh, the women's strawweight division though. That's like the the pinnacle of 
the women's MMA. Oh yeah, it's a great division. They have they're deep. They're the only one and only deep, deep, deep division where there's a lot of good fighters and w- with a lot of different specialties. So that's a uh, that's a good fight to uh, to keep an eye on here. Uh, moving on though, we got Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson. Uh, Chandler is currently a minus three eighty. Tony Ferguson plus two ninety. Um, this is kind of one of those situations where, I, I mean, I think the line basically makes sense, but it's still kind of tough to pit, to bet on. I just don't. Tony's just a shell, right? And Chandler, he's proven that he can, you know, if you can't put him away, which Oliveira did, Gaethje didn't, but it was, you know, dropped him a couple times. Um, but Tony's just declined one of the faster declines from a prime we've ever seen i think um his last three fights he's just been a shell so i think this is probably chandler all the way if he wants to be smart and wrestle he wins if he wants to stay stay standing and go crazy i think he still probably wins um i don't what 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 is tony ferguson's chance at winning here what do you think i mean i i guess knockout um i don't know it's just i think michael chandler is gonna win this fight i think he's rightfully a big favorite in this fight but We've seen him. He doesn't always fight the smartest game plans, right? If if he takes t- Tony Ferguson down, I think he can maul him um, in the same way we've seen from quite a few uh, people as of lately. Yeah, kind of that Benil Darius style, or that. Yeah. Uh, uh, even Charles Oliveira like almost showed mercy on Tony Ferguson, just mauled him for three straight rounds. Exactly. So I think Michael Chandler can do that if he just tries to make it a war. Uh, I don't know. Tony Ferguson still has a chin somewhat, and uh, I don't know. It's he's still I, got giant hammers for fists. Yeah, he's and he's still a madman. So I don't know. <laughs> I think if he if he fights not the best game plan like he's been known to do in the past, like and that even goes back to Bellator, this could be a lot closer fight than the line reflects, and that makes me a little nervous. But uh, overall, yeah. I mean, I think Michael Chandler will win it, but. Um, I don't know if you if you wanted to if you're one of those people that just wants to bet like big underdogs and hit one every once in a while like Tony Ferguson might not be the worst odds because uh, like I said Michael Chandler he can uh, he can make this uh, a dog fight and Tony Ferguson uh, although he like you said he's been on a steep decline he's not the same fighter he used to be I think he could still pull out a dog fight in certain cir- circumstances basically yeah he could still put one on the button it's just. <sighs> And truly, though, like Tony hasn't had great matchups in his last few. The worst one was Gaethje, obviously. We called that one from a mile away. Um, but like Charles Oliveira is a bad matchup for him because Charles Oliveira is just going to – he got him to the ground and he's just going to out-wrestle and out-jujitsu him. Like they, they, he's better than him there. And Benil Dariush is like, oh, man, how bad has Tony Ferguson really gotten? But Benil Dariush just shot every time and got him to the ground and yeah, held and on Benil to him. Dar- Benil Dariush is really good jiu-jitsu too, yeah. probably better than Tony Ferguson. So. I don't know. Michael Chandler, though, too. Like, like nobody's basically my point is like nobody's stood and trade with traded with Tony since 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 Gaethje. And that was just a whole different Gaethje had a better game plan. He fought a better fight. He still got rocked one time in the end of the second round yeah. at the buzzer. The best the best the best punch of the fight was Tony landing it on Gaethje. But I mean, like you said, like if he wants to, if this fight wants to go crazy and they and Chandler wants to uh, put on the show that he likes to put on. He does open a door for some possibilities here. Yep. Yeah. So, official picks Michael Chandler, but like I said, like he doesn't fight the best game plan. <laughs> so, buyer beware. There you go. I like that. All right, Mauricio Shogun Hua versus Ovin St. Pru. Where are my odds here? There they are. We got Ovin uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua plus one ninety five. 
Ovin St. Prue minus 240. You really don't like to see a price tag like that on OSP ever. <laughs> no. <laughs> in, your, in your worst nightmares, unfortunately. Shogun's wash, though, right? Like uh, We were talking about slow guys. We were talking about, who did we say, Jared Gordon, and who was the other guy that I said looked insanely slow? Uh, uh, Gerald Mearshart. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think mean, uh, I think Shogun is slower than both of those guys. Right. OSP is somewhat slow at this point in his career, too. But I, I don't know. I think OSP has been one of those guys, too, where it's like he's up and down, right? Sometimes he looks great. Sometimes he looks awful, like he doesn't belong in there. Uh, I think, like, uh, even a 50% OSP has, like, a 50% shot of beating uh, Shogun at this point. So yeah. that's why, you know, I think you got to go OSP on this one. Yeah, I mean, I truly, truly, truly think that Shogun may be the slowest fighter left in the UFC. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely think you got to go with OSP. I just, like you would say, buyer beware for Chandler. I would say always buyer beware with OSP. Yeah, I definitely agree. The only thing you know for a fact OSP is going to bring is his huge dump truck ass. Yep, yeah. <laughs> and he's going to do the, uh, that, the tongue oh, out yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, that's a fan favorite as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and OSP has some great wins. I mean, he was a guy that was late to fighting. He was like a college football player, I believe. So he's he's done well for himself. and he's Yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, and he's uh, he's experimented with different weight classes and different, uh, different situations, and they've had him fight some really good guys, and they've had him fight some not-so-great guys. And Fought John Jones in a close fight for the title, right? Uh, was it for the title or was it to get back to the title? That was like a – wasn't that uh, coming off his – John Jones was coming off his – It might have been an interim title fight. That might have been it. It was coming off of a suspension. He fought OSP, and I think it was a pretty ugly fight. Yeah, I think it was an interim title fight, actually, because I think it was supposed to be DC, right? Yeah, that might have been it. And then, uh, yeah, so that was like kind of a uh, – a what do they call that in boxing? A tune-up. But it yeah, wasn't – Yeah, definitely. It wasn't uh, John Jones' best showing. So, like I said, OSP's seen it all, been there – Shogun's seen it all been there. Uh kind of a uh a throwback fight for uh for the old times, but like I said, I I'm, I think OSP's a a good pick here or the best pick you could the best pick I I would could make for my money, so we'll go with that. All right, Donald Cerrone versus Joe Lozon. Like you said, I don't see any odds here. What do we got for odds here? It's um like on the next card. Oh my gosh, they're just falling yeah, they're, apart. They're bad. How did you even find that? All right. Donald Cowboy Cerrone minus one sixty five, Joe Lozon plus one forty five. I believe is this officially the retirement fight for both of them? I don't know. Is it? It L- should be. Loser leaves town and the winner does too. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I I haven't heard, but I wouldn't be surprised. But Donald Cerrone, he always needs money apparently, according to Dana White. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he comes back again at some point. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This is these guys are both older. I I don't know if I'm just going off of they've both. They're both washed at this point, right? And Donald Cerrone's, I think, uh, has always been the better fighter. So I think Donald Cerrone wins this one. We haven't seen either guy in a long time. It's yeah, tough to look. say. Who was? Who did Donald Cerrone fight last? Um, I Nico know. Price. That they had a draw, right? Was yeah. that his last? That was his last fight. Or see, best fights odds oh, not even in order anymore. You can go down and it might be some something down here. No, it looks like Nico Price may have been his last fight. And what was Joe Lozon's last fight? I can't remember. Um, He had a weird fight not that long ago. Or I guess it was probably a long time ago, but who was that against? He, I think he had a he had a strange matchup. Yeah, Cerrone's last fight was Alex Morono. 
oh yeah he got blitzed and beat up yeah oh yeah that wasn't good i don't know maybe i don't know this is maybe you go with the underdog here it's like <laughs> so he, uh joe Lozon hasn't fought oh, you can't trust like i said you can't trust best fight odds i have no idea here we go one second joe Lozon. here it is he last fought jonathan pierce that uh, was Reyes, Reyes versus Weidman In card? 2019. That was forever pandemic. ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. I guess I mean, And he beat John, Jonathan Pierce, who's good. JPP. Um, and yeah, that's that's surprising there. But, yeah, it's been a long time. This is probably the retirement fight for both guys, if you look at it that way. So, uh, but, yeah, I'm going Donald Cerrone. But, honestly, yeah, Donald Cerrone, I think he's the better striker, right? But he's so chinny at this point. So, I think Donald Cerrone, they both got really good jiu-jitsu, so I don't really – see it being a submission finish it's just uh Lozon I mean Cerrone's the better striker but at this point anybody could chin check the guy right yeah man he's another he's he's yeah he's he's on the tail end of his career he got a lot of miles out of his uh fight career yeah so yeah fish picks Donald Cerrone I'd love to see him go out on a win but maybe I mean he's kind of an asshole I like both of these guys (laughs) so I mean Joe Lozon he's you know he's a legend in his own right so um tough to pick but we'll go Cerrone yeah I almost feel like they're not this would be kind of unceremonious for them because Donald Cerrone usually gets like small headliners and he's buried on this card so I don't know who knows um interesting one here we got Andre Fialo already back in the mix against uh Cameron Van Camp who I know nothing about Andre Fialo is a minus 350 favorite Cameron Van Camp is plus 270 Quick, quick check on Cameron Van Camp. I got nothing on best fight odds. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think this. Let's see. Here he is. Here's his. Uh, yeah, this is gonna be his first fight in the UFC. I mean, he was fighting in the B two fighting series before this. So. Wow, is Fiala getting the push? Fiala might be getting the push. I don't know. They. This is kind of weird. That, like, did this guy? Did they just owe this Van Camp a fight? Because <laughs> it seems like this is like a guy they'd normally just sign to take a short notice fight, right? But it seems like. Andre Fiala took this fight short notice, so I don't know. This is a weird, a weird matchup, but I think Fiala should uh, smash him. That being said, I really know nothing about this Van Camp, but um, we've seen Fialo. Um, he's looked good. He's been our guy as of recently, so uh, I think he runs through this guy. And, yeah, and I think I think if you beat Fialo, you're you're a somebody. Like not necessarily. We've seen two fights of Fialo, and he's looked good in both fights. One loss, one win. Um, all I can definitively say is if you beat him, then you're you're a good fighter. Right, yeah, he's not a world beater, Fialo, don't get me wrong, but he's a lot better than a lot of people thought he was, and, uh, yeah, I think he uh, should smash this fan camp. All right, there you go. All right, let's move on to uh, Randy Rudeboy Brown and uh, Chaos Williams, a bit of a fan favorite as well. We got Randy Brown plus 100, Chaos Williams minus 120. This, to me, is a very interesting matchup. I think Randy Brown's kind of been putting it together as of late and looking pretty well-rounded, looking like he's kind of uh, coming into his own a little bit. And then you got Chaos Williams, who can always land a devastating blow at pretty much any given second. Yeah, exactly. This is a great fight. I'm interested to see how this one plays out. Randy Brown, chin's been a little suspect at times. Sneako Price finished him from the bottom with those oh, uh, elbows. But, I mean, those things are hard. But uh, I Randy Brown's the better fighter, right? This is another one of those, like, like you said, kind of with the Gaethje fight, like you don't want to bet on somebody who's only op, only 
way to win as a knockout. That being said, you probably lost a lot of money if you were following that strategy versus KS Williams because that's usually his only way to win, and he usually gets the finish. So, um, But, I mean, Randy Brown, he's looked really good as of late. His striking's been real crisp. He's able to control the center of the octagon, able to get in and out. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. He's just quicker, faster. I think he's longer than Chaos Williams. Um, I think he's going to get the win. Um Chaos Williams, that being said, he can knock anybody out at any time. So, I mean, Randy Brown, it just seems like guys get a false sense of security against Chaos Williams. Like, they're kind of picking him apart for most of the fight, and then they let their guard down for a split second and let him get in, in too tight and get in range, and he makes him pay for it. So And he'll stand still, too, and kind of lure guys in. Yeah, I think if Randy Brown can stay, you know, stay on point, he should win this fight. So we'll go with Randy Brown. All right, there you go. Tiny, slight, the slightest underdog there. So um, moving on, though, to uh, Macy Chazon versus Norma Dumont. And that is a Macy Chazon plus 180, Norma Dumont minus 220. I think this is probably uh, all over Norma Dumont here. I think she's a better fighter. I think she's much quicker than Macy Chazon, who hasn't been bad. But the thing with her is she's she's got she's decent, but she's slow. And I think Norma Dumont's a little more well-rounded. Yeah, basically Norma Dumont, right? She's going to be able to – Macy Chazon, we've seen her. If it's a striking affair, she's she's good. She's solid. She's tall. She's long. Um, her striking's decent. Um, but she can't beat a wrestler, right? And Norma Dumont can wrestle. She's going to be able to get in there, take her down, put her on her back. And she just – Macy Chazon, once she's on her back, she can't get up. So Norma Dumont has a clear path to victory in this fight. She's going to use her wrestling. She's going to take Macy Chazon down, and she's going to – just hold her there basically she probably lands some ground and pound as well um and yeah i think this is going to be an easy fight for norma dumont basically nice we're on the same page there all right brandon royval raw dog royval versus matt schnell you got brandon royval at minus 240 matt schnell plus 195 matt schnell been on a decent little run royval pretty much solidified himself as a fairly decent um you know the 125 division's tough because there's just not very many of them so you can have one victory and you're in the top 10 or you can have two victories and you're in the top five or you can be inconsistent and stay in the top seven so tough to really say here um obviously brandon royval is he's looked solid he's huge for the division but like i said matt Schnell's on a little bit of a run here so what's your lean on how this one goes down yeah honestly i think this is a closer to 50 50 fight than the odds reflect i think matt Schnell is a good value play here uh, pretty much a plus 200 plus 195 underdog um i think he's chronically underrated in this division um he's a pretty solid guy he has had a little bit of chin issues at times but it seems like he's kind of shored that up i don't think he's got knocked down in a while um let's yeah i was gonna say isn't fast. Schnell a guy that always got accused of getting being chinny yeah he, i guess he did get knocked out by pantoja back in 2019 but i mean and then he hadn't fought he fought in 2021 twice against Tyson Nam, who's supposed to be a power puncher, and uh, Rogerio Bonter. And he lost to Bonter, but it was overturned um, because of a uh, drug test, I think. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think Schnell, he's just a guy that he's a dog. He's going to make this a fight. Roy Vell's a dog as well. I think they're both going to go out there. It's going to be pretty close. I, I don't know. I think with those odds, it's just you got to go Schnell on this one. Yeah, it's close. It's a tough call for me because after we've seen the Royval look so good at times, 
Another thing about Royvel is he does have that shoulder issue where his shoulder comes out of the socket sometimes. So and he gets too chaotic. I mean, I think it's part like I've said it before. I think it's part of what makes him good, and it hurts him at times. I think a match now is a guy who can kind of exploit that, where uh, he's not gonna like get lured into a chaotic fight. Really, like. I don't know. I think a chaotic fight kind of benefits now a little bit more than Ravel in this situation. Yeah, one thing you can say about a raw dog Ravel fight is he's going to go ape shit out there. All his fights are all his fights are completely insane. Definitely. So if nothing else, you'll get entertainment. All right, we got one more to go. Francisco Trinaldo versus Danny Roberts, and I got this one right here. It's basically a pick 'em here. So we got Francisco Trinaldo minus one fifteen, Danny Roberts minus one oh five. To me. What I'm looking at right here, old reliable Francisco Trinaldo versus unreliable Danny Roberts. Yeah, this was a this is a tough one. Um, I don't know. I had Francisco Trinaldo, but I don't know. I, I've been going back and forth on this one. Um, Danny Roberts, extremely unreliable. I, there's a time where I would have said never pick him, but he's looked really good in his last two fights. Right, he fought Imadayev, which everybody was counting him out beat him by knockout, and then he fought Ameev, where everybody was just like, okay, Ameev's just going to rest fuck him, and he was able to stuff takedown, takedown, he's able to get back up. Like, Ameev's a solid wrestler, and he was able to uh, win a split decision over him. So, I don't know. It's just, I think Danny Roberts, just he's looked really good as of late, right? And uh, we got Francisco Trinaldo, who's just getting older. Um, he puts on a slow pace, but he's able to get in range and, and land some power and stuff. I, I don't know. I'm switching up. I'm going Danny Roberts on this one. Um, just I think Danny Roberts is kind of finding it right now. He's looked good in his last two fights, and I think Trinaldo, the age has to catch up with him at some time. At some point, um, the guy looks like he's about 100 years old at this say, point. How old is he really? He's, I mean, he has been winning still, but his fights are slow paced. Like he just kind of, kind of. I don't know. It's just his fighting style. I just think Danny Roberts, the way he's looked lately, he's, he can get the win here. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, uh, at the top of his game, Danny Roberts probably wins, and then, and you know what you're going to get out of Francisco Trinaldo. So, are you expecting Danny Roberts to come through and have one of his better performances because he's had two good ones in a row, or do you think Trinaldo will do what Trinaldo does and have a close, a really close, even maybe even split decision style fight? I think I think if Trinaldo does what Trinaldo does, he's going to lose this fight, barring he gets a knockout. Um, Danny Roberts has been a little chitty at times, but he took some big punches, I think, in the last few fights. Um, so if I think he's going to have to get a knockout to win this fight. I think if he if it's one of those kind of like slow-paced, like stand in the center of the octagon, strike every once in a while, I think Trinaldo loses that fight. So, All right, there you go. Live on air. A, a, a change of heart, live on air. There we go. All right, well, that's what we got here. Do you have any fighters to watch or anything else you wanted to point out here on this card? Not really. We we recap or we uh, previewed most of the card here. So yeah, we went uh -huh. on a limb on this one. So hopefully we do well because we uh, put out a lot of information. Yeah, we did. I mean, this is one of those. This is a good card, right? With a lot of uh, a lot of good matchups. So it wasn't hard to uh, to go. I think we did the whole main card and the whole prelims on this one. So yeah. All right then. Yeah, that's. That's but solid. this is this is why you're not seeing good fight nights anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> you I know, know. this is why, the, and this is why the tickets are so expensive. The whole thing's a, f it's everything's gone. Everything's gone haywire, dude. They got so many. Like, was it really necessary to do two title fights and Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson on the same card? Yeah, they went all in, dude. All in. <laughs> they went. They did not waste any time. Plus, you got 
Yeah, the whole card is stacked. Like a lot of the prelim fights would be, they wouldn't be main events of a fight of a fight night, but they'd be like top three fights of a. Oh, I think uh, Cowboy Cerrone's got a. Where's he at on this card? He's the first fight of the main card. Oh yeah, see, I knew he'd be down there somewhere, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, the card is stacked. It, it's it really is stacked. It'd be a electric one to be in the arena for. So we'll see how that goes. But I'll be there. I'm I'm committing to it right now. <laughs> You're making up your mind. Yeah. All right, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to figure things out. So, either way though, we'll be back next week to recap it. And um, until then, everybody, good luck on your picks, and we'll see you all next week. Peace. On the way